Tonight we continue a sermon series from the book of Mark. We're looking to Mark chapter 5, the last half of that chapter. And tonight we're going to look at two daughters healed. As we look at these two daughters being healed, I want you to keep in mind a phrase. Believe. Believe in Jesus even if and we're going to fill in the blank tonight. I have a question for you. A question. The question is this. If you were doomed to live the same life over and over again for all eternity, would you choose the life you're living now? Now that's a deep question. Think about that question. If you were doomed to live the same life over and over and over again for all eternity, would you choose the life that you're living right now? Now, that leads us to a second, more provocative question. If your answer to the first question is no, if you look at this question right here and you say no, then here's my second question. Why? Why are you living the life you're living right now? As Mark challenges us to follow Jesus immediately, tonight I'm going to challenge all of us, including myself, including myself, to improve our lives. Let's make this year 2021, let's make God our number one priority in 2021. We want to improve. We want to change. We want to live the very best life. As we talk this morning, we want to live that abundant life. But what do you do when there seems to be no other alternatives? What do you do when you're at your rope's end and life seems hopeless? Because sometimes, from our perspective, life can seem hopeless. Let's get a clue to what to do from Mark chapter 5. Beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again, now He was over on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. The east side would be the Gentile side. It was those ten principal Gentile cities. We call that the Decapolis. He goes back to the western side, the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. So he just landed on the beach. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, his name Jairus. And seeing him, he fell at his feet, imploring him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he, Jesus, went with him. And a great crowd followed him and throned about him. 
put yourself in the sandals of this synagogue ruler. If you have a child, if you have a grandchild, and that child is sick, you're going to do everything possible. You're going to go to all means. You're going to extend all possibility. You're going to spend whatever money it takes to get help for that child. Because if it seems hopeless, you're just going to be grasping for straws, hoping beyond hope that something might work. For this ruler, he knew that Jesus could make a difference. This ruler believed. What do you do when life seems hopeless? You do exactly what this father did. You go to Jesus. You come to Jesus and you trust Him with your problems. In other words, you believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Him. Believe in Jesus even if your friends despise Him and make fun of you. Because guess what, friends? They will. Okay? They will. You're going to have friends that are going to make fun of you. They're going to have friends that are not going to uh, love the Lord the way you love the Lord. They're going to despise Him. Even if that happens, you you don't back away from your faith. As one of the synagogue rulers, this man would have been responsible for the physical management of the synagogue building and the worship services. In other words, he was a respected leader in the community. But unlike the other religious leaders that wanted to kill Jesus, he looked to Jesus for help when he had a need that he could not solve himself. He didn't care what others said. He didn't care what his peers thought. His little girl was dying and Jesus was his only hope. His desperation led him to depend on Jesus and that's where our desperation needs to lead us as well. We can't worry what our friends might think. We just need to trust Jesus if we're going to see our lives Gordon McKenzie, for 30 years, had a very unique job. His job was to go to elementary schools and put on what they called creativity workshops. And in 30 years, he said, with a few ex exclusions, with a few exceptions, here's what will always happen as I would go to these schools. I would walk into the first grade classroom and, and I would ask those children, how many of you think you're artists? How many uh, artists do we have here in this room? And virtually every hand would go up and they're all waving and they're all like maniacs, you know, they're all excited. He would go to the second grade classroom. He would ask the same question. He would get about half of the students to, you know, raise their hands. He'd go to the third grade classroom. He'd get maybe a third of the students to, 
to raise their hands. And by the time he got to the sixth grade classroom, he might get one or two hands very timidly to be raised. All the schools that he went to seemed to be involved in some type of, uh, you might call it suppression. Suppression of creative genius. They weren't doing it on purpose. They were just fitting in with our society. Society's goal is to make all of us less foolish. And society views creativity as being foolish. And Mackenzie said this, From the cradle to the grave, the pressure is on to be normal and to fit in. The world says, the world says, conform. Don't be different. Uh, You see, conformity is the name of the game in our world. In other words, be a sheep. Be a sheep. But if all we do is conform to what others think and do, then we'll never see change in our own lives or in our world around us. We need to change. We need to not be like the world. We've got to be more like Jesus. More like the Lord Himself. You know, I think about some of the great thinkers and innovators of the world that we've had in the past few hundred years. Strangely enough, the expounders of many of the great new ideas of history were frequently considered on the lunatic fringe for some or all of their lives. For example, Einstein. If one stands up and is counted, from time to time, one may get knocked down. That's true. But remember this. A man flattened by an opponent can get up again. A man flattened by conformity stays down for good. So don't allow yourself to be flattened by conformity. Instead, depend on Jesus. Even if your friends make fun of you. That's a message to our young people. Even if your friends make fun of you, you depend on Jesus. A real Christian believes in Jesus even when nobody else will. A real Christian doesn't conform to this world's attitudes, but rather lives to transform the world around him. We do not want... A church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. We're the only ones that can do it. Not government. Not the wealthy people of our world. It's you and me as Christians. We're living in hard times. That's true. But let these desperate times lead us to depend on Jesus even if it's politically incorrect to do so. 
And may I add this. This may be an ever-increasing need in our country. Then, and only then, when we're standing up for Jesus, when we're standing up for His values, then and only then will we see change in our lives, in our community, in our nation. So my friends, when life seems hopeless, believe in Jesus. Don't stop believing in Jesus, even if none of your friends believe. More than that, believe in Jesus even if He delays His answer. Trust Jesus. Even if He seems to be slow in coming to your aid, in answering your prayers, believe in Jesus. Depend on the Lord even if He seems to be in no hurry to help you. This is what this father had to do. Put yourself in his shoes, his sandals once again. Look at verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now from the father's point of view, this woman's issue wasn't near as urgent as his daughter's need. But let's continue the story. Verse 26. And this woman had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind Him in the crowd and touched, touched His garment. For she said... If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. What do you call that? F-A-I-T-H. Faith. This woman had faith. Let's continue the story. Verse 29. And immediately, you come to that word often here, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. With miracles from Jesus, there, you know, there's, it's immediately. You don't have to wait a week, two weeks, a month. You might get better in a year. With Jesus, it's like that. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately, circle that word again, immediately, turned about in the crowd and said, um, who, who, touched, who touched my garments? What's the Father doing right now? We don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. I think if I had been the Father, I'd say, uh, Jesus, she... Don't stop, you know. Hey, my daughter needs you. We, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. But Jesus pauses. He stops in the crowd. He asks the question. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus did not have to ask the question. He's Jesus. He's asking the question for the woman's benefit. Let's read on. 
And his disciples said to him, Master, you see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched you? Uh, Jesus, um, everybody's touching you. Everybody's around here, you know. We've got a crowd here. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, I told you there's going to be two daughters healed tonight in this story. He said, daughter, what's, what's made you well? It's your faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. There is no magic in the clothes that Jesus was wearing. It was her faith in the Lord, her faith in His power, that made her well, and it made her look at what had happened to her. What does Jesus call her? Daughter. You're a daughter of God. Jesus told her, your faith has healed you. Literally, your faith has saved you. Her faith had saved her not only from physical sickness, but also from the loneliness, the bitterness that such sickness brought. Faith in Jesus makes all the difference in the world. If your situation seems hopeless, believe in Jesus. Trust Him as this woman did, and also as this father must also do, even though Jesus is delaying helping His little girl. You see, Jesus stopped, not only for the woman's benefit, but He also stopped for the benefit of this father. You see, this man was learning some very important lessons. And he was having his own faith strengthened in the process. What lessons was this father learning? Number one, he learned that Jesus really does care for all kinds of people. Not only for a wealthy, respected man like himself, but also for a bankrupt outcast like this woman. Number two, this father, he learned that Jesus is never in a hurry, especially when it comes to caring for people. He's no slave to the urgent. Rather, he is Lord. He has authority over demons, as we've already seen in this chapter. He has authority over disease. And my friends, he has authority even over death, as we're about to see. And we need to trust him as such. Friends, we need to depend on Jesus. We need to depend on Jesus even if he does delay his help. Even if you pray and pray and pray and pray some more. 
and you don't get the answer that you thought you needed, keep on praying because you will get the answer that is best. We need to believe in Him even if He's not on our time schedule. You know, we live by the clock. You know, I schedule my days every day. I've got to here this time and here this time and do this at this time. We live by the clock. And sometimes we think that we can force the clock on our Lord. As a rule, we don't like to wait. As a rule, we like to have instant gratification. As a rule, we want Jesus to do it our way on our time schedule. But sometimes the Lord delays His answers. But our Lord's delays are not necessarily denials. On the contrary, often His delays are only to delight us even more. If we're kept waiting, the spiritual blessings, that is the outcome, is far more precious than exception from the trial. Waiting is something we don't like. But waiting, waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about Him for whom we are waiting, our faith grows. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. Like a pregnant woman, our waiting, we are enlarged in the waiting. Our faith can grow. When life seems hopeless, believe in Jesus. Even if none of your friends do, believe in Jesus, even if He delays His help, and believe in Jesus, even if it's too late to hope anymore. Trust in the Lord, even after time has run out and those there no prospect for help. Depend on Jesus even when hope goes out the window. That's what this father was called to do. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, um, sorry, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler, Do not fear. Only believe. Maybe a little better way to translate that would be, Stop fearing. Keep on believing. This father, this man, had already exercised faith in coming to Jesus. Now, he shouldn't let even his daughter's death stop him from believing anymore. Verse 37, And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. 
they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. Being a wealthy man, being a ruler of the synagogue, this may have been paid mourners. They often did that in their society, would pay people to come in and, and to mourn and to cry. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why? Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. They didn't believe. Would this father believe? Because his friends, the people that were there, they didn't believe. So guess what happens? Look at verse 40. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. He went in where their child was, taking her by the hand. Can you picture that? You know, those of us who are parents, can we picture this? Taking her by the hand, he said to her, what does he say? Little girl, this is going to be the second daughter healed. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, circle that word immediately, and immediately the child, the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were what? Immediately overcome with amazement. They were overcome with amazement. Literally, they were out of their minds with great amazement of what they had just witnessed. It's the very same word that's used in Mark 3, 21, when they accused Jesus of being out of His mind. Now, verse 43. And He strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them, Give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. The girl had been raised from the dead, but she still needed to eat. You see, Jesus, Jesus not only takes care of the spectacular, He also takes care of the mundane aspects of life. Hey, she needs some food. You feed her right now. Tonight, I want to challenge you. I want you to challenge you to trust Jesus for everything. Depend on the Lord for the little issues as well as the impossible ones. Believe. Believe. Because even death cannot stop the Christian. A story that touched my heart, a story that I've told before, was when one of our members, her name was Wanda, got the diagnosis. The doctor said, it's cancer, it's going to be terminal. The church, we love Wanda. Wanda was just one of those special ladies that we all loved. 
We prayed. We prayed fervently. We set up prayer chains. I mean, we prayed. And one year, she was dead. You say, that's not a very good story. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because the way that Wanda lived that last year, her faith, her belief, that the Lord was going to take care of her no matter what happened. The way she lived that last year caused her husband and every one of her children who had been unfaithful Christians up to that point, it caused every one of them to recommit their lives back to the Lord. We didn't want to lose Wanda. But we rejoice in those souls that came back. That's the way it is for everyone who believes in Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter how tragic the loss, it's going to be a good story. Because death is just that doorway to a much better life. Tonight... I just ask you to believe in Jesus. Even if no one else around you will. Believe in Jesus even if He delays His help and the answers to your prayers are not what you anticipated and hoped for. Believe in Jesus even in the face of death because for the believer there's always hope. In the end, it's always going to be a good story. You've got to believe. You've got to trust. And as that song says, you've got to obey. Are you a Christian tonight? Let's go down that Roman road. Paul told the church at Rome, you've got to believe. Romans 10, verse 9. He told them, the goodness of God to want to repent. Has God been good to you? Then you need to repent. Romans 2, verse 4. He reminded them that they needed to confess, Romans 10, verse 10. And the first part of Romans 6 is all about baptism. You need to be baptized. Have you done all of those steps? As a Christian, as a Christian, do you need to come back and repent? Do you need to seek forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. Danny has selected a song, a song that we are hoping and praying will encourage you to make a decision about your life. Mark said, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus immediately. Are you ready to do that? Will you please come? Will we stand and sing for your encouragement? Have I no objection to the cross?